Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Darren Chris performs live tomorrow night at the National Christmas Tree Lighting on the Ellipse outside the White House, before bringing his A Very Darren Christmas Tour to Wolf Trap in Virginia on Saturday and Sunday. He joined me to preview those holiday shows, as well as reflect on his career from his breakthrough role in Glee to his Emmy-winning role in American Crime Story, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Hey, what's up, Jason? Thank you for having me, man. Your reputation precedes you. This is uh, very cool to join your illustrious list of guests. I feel like I should apologize in advance. <laughs> well, it just got even more illustrious. I mean, thanks for saying that, but it, the, the illustriousness, if that's a word, just went to a new level with Darren Chris. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, well, we got to tell everybody the reason. It's actually a, a double chance to talk to you because you're coming uh, this Thursday for the National Christmas Tree Lighting um, on November 30th, and then you'll be here uh, at the Wolf Trap in Virginia um, on December 2nd and 3rd. So uh, we, let, let's take to the tree lighting first. We'll do them in order. So um, obviously, it's a huge deal right there out in front of the, the White House. They get cool guests every year, but is this your first time doing it? Uh, this is my first year doing this particular event, yes. Uh, but I've done a couple things. I've been lucky enough in my career to have done a, a number of things for the Bidens, and that is a, I guess, a low-key humble brag. I'm not, uh, I guess what I mean is they haven't decided to kick me out of the, off the invite list yet, so there's still room. <laughs> I could really biff it at the White House. Yeah, I was going to say, by the end of this, they'll be like, ah, we got to scratch him from the list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, like you said, hopefully they don't uh, kick me off the list, but uh, I'm excited to uh, be doing it. It's a pretty cool list, man. I, I just saw the list of it, and I don't know who printed the ad mat but there's no world in my mind where i would ever appropriately be anywhere higher or before the likes of saint vincent renee rap there's some pretty amazing names on there i'm i'm, I'm not including all of them but i'm just saying i saw i saw the ad mat and i was a i was right in front of them i was like this there's there's some huge Oh, calculation if, error here if you look on the website it lists you first and then you know uh following you are named little known names like you know Theon warwick and joe walsh and mickey yeah, guyton Dion, and let us see and you know what you know what they're doing they're doing that sweet thing where they're letting the 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 worst hitter uh hit first you know <laughs> that yeah. way he, he feels special about going first and then if if he fumbles it then you know the the real superstars can. I don't know why I'm I, I don't know why I'm self-deprecating myself so much right now, Jason. I I don't know why. I think it's because when you see your name with the likes of Joe Walsh, Dion Warwick, St. Vincent, Renee Rapp, and many more, uh, you can't help but just you know have a, a huge wave of uh, imposter syndrome. It's it's usually at a, at a at a nice simmering you know low boil, but that's what kind of kicks it off to like a high boil. 
It's a good thing. I think people appreciate, you know, the the self-deprecation more than the humble brag. I I, I think you're doing it right. But yeah, the, the lineup isn't. OK, thank you. Yeah, the lineup is insane, and um, and and it's cool. It's your first time doing this particular event. I know you've done. I think you did like uh, President Obama's inauguration in like 2013. So you're like you're no stranger to like the whole DC White House kind of a vibe. But it'll be really cool to do the tree. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, dude, come on. I mean, that that stuff is so special, and like obviously, it's such an honor to to always be there. It's def- definitely not trying to minimize my time there at all. It's it's yeah. it, it's such an honor. It really is. Absolutely. Well, one more one more on that really quick. I mean, we mentioned the lineup and everything, but do you know what you're going to be performing? Is it stuff from your Very Daring Christmas Christmas album or do you, do you have it? Locked? Yeah, I think, you know, it's so funny. I've done a couple gigs for the I, I just did a thing for um, the Bidens at the Apex Summit in my hometown in San Francisco. And when you're picking a song, you know, it's very and for very good reason, very, you know, well checked and considered, you know, you're not going to have you don't want any lyrics that can be remotely construed in any other way than positive and you know uh additive constructive toward the evening and so you know that set list was like you've got a friend and uh and uh gosh what else did i do a song that i wrote called not alone and they were all songs that were very positive so um not to say that i don't have i I mean negative songs on the holiday album but i think they're very much in line (laughs) with the christmas spirit and they were thoroughly checked and approved of by the powers that be at the white house so i i'm not sure what i'm doing yet but i can guarantee you just just call me crazy but i'm pretty sure it'll have something to do with the holidays and and happy go lucky jolly christmas things I love it. I love it. Well, that's what you want to hear this time of year. So everyone, check that out at the National Christmas Tree Lighting. I think it airs uh, on CBS on December 15th, a couple of weeks later. You know, they they tape it and then put it Yes, on. it does. Um, all right. Well, then. Thank you for doing it. the PR work for me. Yeah, I just I drop all the facts in and you can do the self-deprecation. That's how that's how we'll go back and forth here. <laughs> yeah, um, this is an right. ancient conversation between. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, all right, cool. So that's the tree lighting. Now pivot over to the Wolf Trap shows. Um, it's going to be, I mean, Wolf Trap's a beautiful outdoor, like national park, but I know it's sort of more winter time. So I think you'll probably be indoors at, at the barns. They have like a cool in- intimate indoor spot too. Very rustic looking on Saturday and Sunday. Um, what, and so that, that one actually is called a very daring Christmas, right? Th- this is a fit. This is yeah, top to bottom Christmas. Song. That is part of, that is part of the tour. I mean, you're talking to me right now on the road from, uh, from florida and uh we're just going from town to town spreading holiday cheer man i mean it's uh it's you know a lot of people put out holiday albums and uh with with all due respect to a lot of my a lot of great christmas albums oftentimes they they are just kind of playing the the very well-known songs and uh i myself am a self-proclaimed genre file i write this in my liner notes but i think my main sort of goal in life is is not necessarily as a performer but more like a curator and interpolator and i like trying to make things that are and i do this as both an actor and a musician as a songwriter as a producer i try and take unfamiliar or or perhaps inaccessible ideas and concepts and and i try to make them as familiar or accessible as possible so if i had it my way my christmas album would have been like you know 100 songs that no one's ever heard of that you suddenly (laughs) now maybe maybe consider but you know because i'm not a fool I, uh, of course, kind of kind of toe the line between a lot of familiar stuff, but I do it in an unfamiliar way. And then I have a bunch of stuff that you definitely probably didn't grow up knowing, but I try to perform it in a way that you go, oh, I recognize this one. So I kind of, you know, dance between both those two worlds. And that's what I do on the holiday album, certainly what I do live. But it's kind of like a TED talk about 
musicology and the origin of uh, of these songs. I'm a big you know, songwriter nerd, so I talk a lot about the construction and the songwriting on it and uh, how and why it pertains to me in the holidays and hopefully try and create some new holiday memories for people and that, that hopefully some of my memories and associations can become some new associations for, for people coming and hopefully for, for years to come because I don't plan on stopping anytime soon unless Christmas somehow gets the axe in the next few years. But it's been going strong for something like 2,000 plus years. So I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling positive. Yeah, 2,000 uh, years. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's job security. Do a holiday album. It'll come around every year. Um, all right. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, whenever I have someone on, uh, I want, I love plugging, you know, whatever shows they're coming to, of course, like we just did the two, the two events you're doing. Um, but I also always love to sort of remind everyone of your superhero origin story. <laughs> like I know you're born in San Fran in like 87, <laughs> something like what was Darren Chris like as a kid? Like, what did you, yeah. what did you watch either, you know, movies or you know, were you into musicals or, you know, I don't know what, like what's, what was your creative vibes growing up? Oh man, I'll tell you when I was a kid, uh, uh, some, there's only a few things that really, 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 really mattered to me. And that was uh, Star Wars, the Beatles, and uh, probably Transformers. Right. Um, go figure, they're still as, as powerful and, and culturally ubiquitous as they ever were when I was a kid. But, um, <laughs> you know, they've just taken on new chapters. But yeah, I, I was just... Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't know this at the time because it just seemed normal. But the older I get and the more I meet like kids, I'm like, wow, that is pretty interesting. I I have always had a very proactive, very avid, hyper, like uh, attuned relationship with music. Um, and I thought this is kind of how everybody kind of worked. But I've, I've realized that and this is what I talk about in my show. I don't think anybody has a responsibility to be, you know, music connoisseurs and they don't have to know every song of all time. Like that, it doesn't make you any more or less interesting as a person. Cause you know, you pick your interests and that's your thing. Right. But for me, music was always a very, very personal thing. And uh, I, I don't know, I just consumed it to a degree that I would later realize was probably a lot, a lot more than, than my peers. I, I'm, I'm being delicate with, I'm not trying to toot any horns. It just ended up serving me later in life in a way that I, I didn't anticipate, which is now, again, being this kind of self-proclaimed curator, interpolator of like older songs you might not know. Um, it really was a really great springboard for the career that I would have, which is somebody that, you know, um, kind of, uh, I don't know, reintroduces certain popular songs to new audience. I mean, I it's kind of that slumdog millionaire moment where all the questions that he was given were the was were the life experiences he just so happened to have. I mean, that happened with me on Glee. You know, by the time I joined Glee, which was a song it was a show where young people were singing popular songs, right, in their own way. I by that point had already put ten thousand plus hours in doing that at pubs and restaurants and cafes and college and in high school and just at camp, you know, with a guy with the guitar playing popular songs for people or at campfires. I've been I was doing that already. So Needless to say, yeah, all that crazy, really into music and consuming albums and con consuming the Beatles and listening to the way these songs are recorded, the way they were played, knowing how they're played, knowing how they were sung um, is something that sort of inadvertently kind of teed me up for exactly what I would be doing. So uh, that was both a plug to what I'm doing now in my life and how I grew up, if you wanted a superhero origin story. My, my planet Krypton was just this earth, but with a crap load of music going into my ears and never leaving.
<laughs> I love very masterfully done. You know, I was going to ask about, you know, I was going to try to fill in the gap between growing up and, and you know, and then all your theater stuff at, at University of Michigan and Star Kid Productions and all the Harry Potter kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. But you kind of you, you kind of covered the ground and brought it to Glee already. So let's go ahead and pick. That I, I, gave, I gave it I gave it the little teaser trailer. If you want the whole threading of the needle of those yeah. things you just mentioned, you can come to my show at Wolf Trap. Wolf Trap. We'll be talking all about that. I, I glazed over stuff like Star Kid, which a lot of people, it's, it's probably my most, the thing I have the most pride of in my, my entire career thus far. Um, and th that was just a quick side note for people who are listening who don't know what that is. That's a little theater company I started outside of college, which was kind of this big, like, nexus for me, even before Glee happened. I think my tenure on Glee is, is attributed to um, the, the popularity of, of Star Kid, which was this whole other world. So what's cool about my show is that people come for Christmas, people come for Broadway, people come for Glee, people come for Star Kid. And I try and put it all in one little neat little Christmas package uh, in, as, in as tidy or as messy of a, of a Christmas evening out with me as, as I possibly can. And if you, if you don't think I can do it, then you'll have to come find out yourself. Because I hear Wolf Trap is a great venue. And uh, it was even, and so it seems like a good place to do it. I'll have you know really quick to shout out the venue. It was it, it, on our tour routing, we were supposed to go somewhere else. And someone at the agency was like, hey, you know, there's this really cool venue, Wolf Trap. It's smaller. It's not the type of room that we'd usually play. But, but the pitch to me was like, Darren, specifically, you would really like this venue. Um, so we might do two there because I think you would really dig it. And uh, very rarely is that ever said to me. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So I, it has been pitched to me as a very hip spot and I've looked it up and it looks great. And I can't wait to go see a show there myself. So I'm everything about it. I'm excited. Should I, should I press pause and let you talk now, Jason? I don't know. Maybe I'm just too excited. No, you can keep going. The excitement is, is, is coming through the radio. So it's okay. You know, it's fine. You, no, this is your, this is your show. I just chime in every now and then. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, well, real. I mean, you've mentioned Glee multiple times, but I have to just ask about the character of Blaine Anderson itself. Do you sure how much? How much do you think you helped push the societal conversation forward? With I mean, I knew you ended up marrying Kurt in the final season. Um, you even yeah. wrote the song this time for the finale. Um, a, do you miss playing the role of Blaine? And B, how how important you know looking back now? Do you think that 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 was really that helped moved our cult culture along on LGBT stuff? Well, I you, look, I. I I, I would agree, and I can't take credit for any of it. And I, um, I, I appreciate when people say things like that. And I promise you, there's no false humility when I'm like, "Oh, that's not me." Like, make no mistake, Glee was incredibly popular uh, and progressive 
far before I had anything to do with it. And if I'd never joined that show, it would have been just as progressive and popular. So I really lucked out. I won the golden ticket because when I joined that show, it had already had a significant degree of attention where I think the, one of the most popular characters was Kurt and somebody who was, you know, making waves, not only in just, you know, people enjoying the show, but of course in sort of the, the queer dialogue amongst popular culture and where, you know, the, the conversation of gay teens and, and representation of, of queer people on mainstream linear uh, uh, network television. I mean, this was already a cool hip conversation for a lot of people, myself included, just watching the show, having nothing to do with it. So I lucked out because I suddenly got to be a part of, I think one of the most intriguing parts of the show. It was just my job to make sure that I could service, service this already pretty polished ship that was already, you know, widening a pretty steady uh, headwind. Is that headwind? I don't know nautical terms. I'm just assuming that's the thing that makes you go forward. I don't know. We'll go, we'll go winds, with it. Tailwinds. It's one of those. Uh, we'll go one of it. those winds. <laughs> it was going. It was going in a direction really well without my help. So um, anyway, I was just there to make sure I didn't weigh it down. I guess I should say. So um, when people say that you know it sort of touched their lives in some way, it's it's a huge honor. It's a huge privilege. But I owe that. I say the same thing. I say me too. It was. It, it really changed my life and in several ways and uh, to be part of a conversation that I think is so positive. I mean, words that I use a lot in my own show and my own ethos and my work, regardless if I'm doing something like Glee or writing a song or doing whatever, you know, being additive and constructive and positive are like the three big sort of like goals for me at any given time. And um, I think that's what the character really did. And a lot of characters, you know, a lot of the show wasn't just their relationship. It was a lot of things in the show. So being a part of something like that is, is, is a great, is one of the great privileges of my career. And I'm very happy to talk about it and to talk to it. And um, anytime people have something, you know, uh, positive to say about it, I always say, thank you. You know, I have to give credit to the show. And then I also give credit to them. I always say, like when people say, you really did X, Y, or Z for me, I always remind them, I go, well, you did. You did it for yourself, but you allowed us in. It was a two-way street here. So, right. like, I commend them on their, you know, on their on the amp, on the proverbial amp of life, their gain being turned up a little bit and allowing things from the outside to be received in a way that they could, you know, internalize it and 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 turn it into something positive in their own world. So, you know, it's it, it's it's all a group effort. We're this whole this whole little life thing that we got thrown into is 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 unequivocally a team sport. There's no solo journey here. So if people had a good experience, that's because of their own ability to receive something that is because of other people's grace to allowing me to be a part of it. And hopefully my very concerted effort not to drop the ball. So it's kind of a cocktail of all three things. And as far as do I miss playing it, I would say no, simply because I think like all good experiences in life, uh, there's, you know, it's like camp. If, if you if you went to summer camp, there's that point like at the end of the week, two weeks, 10 days, whatever you're doing, where like you had the best time, but it's like time to go home. You know, there's there's a there's the new adventure to have. And I've been having that. So that's that's not to be misconstrued with like I don't when people conflate not missing something with not liking it, which I think is a terrible misunderstanding. It's like, no, nah, I was great. I'm good. Like like I, I had plenty of fun experiences you know, in, in college or in high school or on Glee, but they're done now. 
and that's how things in life work. You know, they're transient. So right. I got what uh, I, everything I could have hoped for, and uh, away we go. Now, uh -huh. now on to Christmas, baby. Yeah, I love it. Turn and you turned it. I love the phrase you turned the gain up on the amp of life. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, before yeah. before hey, we go, I know. You've been ge really generous with your time, but I have to ask about your other work with Ryan Murphy. The other side of the coin is the killer Andrew Cananon in American Crime Story, Assassination of Gianni Versace. Because that's one the that's what won you the Emmy for Best Actor Limited Series. Yeah, they they gave me some they gave me some participation trophies, Jason, <laughs> and I'm not giving them back. I know kids these days, right? That their participation trip. No, <laughs> hey, it's right. It's probably right next to your your Golden Globe and your SAG Award and all that. But but for the Emmy, dude, you beat Antonio Banderas, Benedict Cumberbatch, Jeff Daniels, jo John Legend, and Jesse Clemens. I mean, come on. Um, but anyway, oh, anyway, I know there's really no you know beating out other actors or you know awards or whatever. Yes, they are. but just in terms of the role, yeah, in terms of the role, how important was it you for you and Ryan Murphy that matter to show you could swing the complete other way from Glee and, and you know you could play a role like that? Like that showed your range. Well, I mean, look, actors wait a whole lifetime for parts like that. You know, I mean, I I was perfectly ready and and willing to wait. You know, it's like by the time Brian Cranston is stepping into the shoes of like Walter White, it's not like he suddenly worked hard or suddenly yeah. was up for the challenge. Like maybe he was, I don't know, I can't say that like with uh, with no with zero uh, uncertainty, but you know, we're, we're all just actors are just waiting around. We're sitting in the toolbox, you know, waiting for the right the right, you know, uh you know, craftsmen to be like, okay, I'm going to use you now. And then we go, we can do it. We can, we can do all the things we can screw in the nuts and bolts. We can cut the wood. We can do, you can, you can use us. We're, we're multi-purpose tools. Just use us. And, uh, you know, we constantly have to show up in auditions trying to convince people that we're those, those people. But sometimes even despite your skill set, you just have to fit the role in a certain way. And there are a lot of things, which is kind of twisted because, you know, this horrible thing happened and it, it was, it happened because of a guy who happened to kind of look like me and be kind of my age and ethnicity. Right. So if I was in a position to have stopped this from happening, I'd like, I would have, you know, I would have done something and I would have rather not all these innocent people be taken away from the world. Right. But here we are 20 something years later. And, you know, how do we make sure that those tragedies don't just end up as these horrible things, but try and, bring some kind of light to a darkness by perhaps illuminating some of the things around those tragedies, some of the other themes that led to how and why these things happen, not only for the perpetrator of the crime themselves, but for the, for the perhaps law enforcement and things like homophobia and fear and things that all kind of lead up to the grand kind of crime story beyond just somebody like Andrew Cunan. And so, you know, as an actor, you go, great, this is a wonderful opportunity for me but you're, as a human being, you're also like, shit, man. Like, I, I, I really hope we're not just doing this to, you know, this isn't just like some spectacle. You know, we have to make this count. We have to make this something that is worthwhile. Again, my big three, additive, constructive, positive for people to hopefully come out on the other side with something much lighter than the darkness from which it comes. So um, having said all that, I tend to go on these big rants to bring it back to the central idea, which is, you know, though having something that that heavy um, is such a it's what actors do wait around for. And I, I'm lucky that it happened when it did. And 
but you know, I could have waited well into my fifties and sixties for something like that. It just so happened to come at that point in my life. And, uh, I, you know, I said this probably way too much <laughs> when it happened. I said, if I had never worked again after this karmically, that'd be somewhat fair. Um, I wish I hadn't said that because, you know, then a pandemic happened and a strike happened and maybe I should have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> it's all your fault. The pandemic <laughs> but, and the strike. It's you, all my you, fault. You, you, you jinxed I it. Know. But, you know, those are those guys you mentioned are literally some of my favorite actors. And they're and this isn't me just being like nice or like charming or right or something like I, I swear to God, like, I mean, every time I see Jesse Plemons and anything, I just go, this guy is so good. But you know the the it's it it, it always comes up it, it always comes down to the parts and the moments and I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of you know those those award shows and what and the kind of inner workings of everything but listen it came out in my favor that year but that is not to say that that's how it should be it just the way the cookie crumbled and I will co- of course gladly take it but um, it doesn't come with this back to this you know imposter syndrome thing. It doesn't come with a huge degree of like, what am I doing here? Like these guys are like what inspired me to, you know, they're inspired me to be here in the first place. Like, what am I doing? You know, um, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of go- going off the tracks a little bit, but what can I say? It was, it was sort of a role of a lifetime, but uh, you know, I, I, again, it, it, it comes with a weird, a weird price because it was a real thing that happened. This wasn't a made up story. So all I can say is I, you know, I hope that I, again, brought some sort of lights to, you know, to the dark, dark subject matter. For sure. For sure. Well, hey, uh, you've been so generous. I mean, uh, I guess like final seconds. I know we we hit your your live music concerts, you know, at the beginning really hard. And then we did your your most iconic TV roles. But uh, just in the final seconds, like, do you have a favorite Broadway role you did? I know you did How to Succeed in Business. You did Hedwig and the Angry Inch. You did American Buffalo, the Mammoth uh, Revival with Sam Rockwell and Lawrence Fishburne. And gosh, talking about a lot. Oh, my God. God. But like did, for for you was yeah. there is there one you've done or one you're looking forward to like what what's your Broadway yeah what's your what do you think was your was your favorite one on, on stage I mean I'm really pleased to say that I've really got to check a lot of boxes in in what I believe to still be the sort of earlier part of my life and career um boxes that you know I really did always dream of and, and and worked hard to to get to um i never really thought that i would do musical theater i i always dug it and this may become maybe a surprise to some people that might know my my stuff but i was in bands my whole life and i i liked musical theater but i hung out with too many people that did it that were like more classic musical theater so compared to them in my mind i was like well i'm not like a broadway singer i'm like you know, give me a mic and a guitar. That's how I make noise as a singer. But I couldn't like, you know, don't put me in Camelot anytime soon. You know, I would just make a fool of myself. But I didn't really know that later in life, this sort of like rock pop vocal thing would be palatable in the musical theater space. So I grew up loving Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, I was like prime demographic for when the film came out. You know, a teenager who was really into like subversive you know, gender politics and rock and roll and just all, there was so much cool shit in it that just totally just lit my fire. So getting to do that show, not only on Broadway, but in my hometown of San Francisco when it went on tour was, was kind of the dream role. And people always go, always go, what's your dream role? And I always say, well, I did it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. And same with Sam and uh, Sam Rockwell and Lawrence Fishburne, who are to back to my favorite actors. 
like when I was a kid, because I didn't think I was going to do Broadway musicals, if you were to ask me what I was hoping to do as an adult, I'd be like, well, I'd like to be doing some of the great American plays with some of the great American actors at the highest level possible. I don't know, like Broadway. So David Mamet's seminal American Buffalo with those two bleep bleeps, <laughs> those two MFs is, <laughs> is like a, a mind blowing, like fulfillment for me. Uh, and, uh, I'm just happy as a clam that I, that I got to spend that time with those guys. So I think the only place to go from here is, you know, I, I kind of got my start writing musicals and I still have done that, but I kind of got sidetracked with a few of those things we just mentioned. And it's been well over a decade since I wrote a full show. And if I was going to do a musical on Broadway, it would have to be something pretty special and it has to be something new. And it would, but preferably I would love to be writing it, whether I'm in it or not. I think it's just time for me to get back to, the writing desk and um, kind of putting all the pieces together as a writer, composer, producer. And then that'll be, that'll be my next foot forward. I think in the music world, that's not a guarantee. That's just a hope. So maybe I'm manifesting it here right now with you, Jason. I love it. Manifest away. You can, you can do it all. So, but first come uh, see you turn the gain up on the amp of life at the national Christmas tree lighting uh, <laughs> on, on Thursday, November 30th. And then, and then after that, if you like what you hear, come see Darren Chris again uh, at the Barnes and Wolf trap in Virginia on December uh, 2nd and 3rd, Saturday and Sunday. So multiple chances to see you. Hey, thank you so much for taking so much time with us. I really, really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. It's great talking with you, man. All right. Be well. Best of luck. You too, brother. Be well. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Bye.